Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, well, hey, we're jumping into a new series today, uh, and it is called Personal Exodus. I'm a big fan of that graphic. Can we give it up for Michelle, who makes all of our graphics around here? Uh, but uh, this series is going to pair really, really nicely with the series that we just completed last week called Pursuit. Kind of like uh, peanut butter and jelly, um, brownies and ice cream, uh, pinot and pork chops, you know, whatever you're interested in. Uh, it's going to be the perfect pairing. I'm sorry, was that inappropriate? Uh, well, that's fine, whatever. Um, but uh, the reason I say that is because we spent a lot of time in that last series talking about what it looks like to leave the past behind and to lay hold of the promise or the future that God has for us. And I can think of no single narrative in the Bible that more clearly and accurately d- dictates, uh, depicts what that journey might look like other than that of the Israelites' great exodus from Egypt. And uh, if you're here this morning and maybe you're new to the Bible, you're new to faith, and that story is unfamiliar to you, I'm going to give you a very quick Cliff Notes version of the story, but I want to encourage you, uh, maybe during the course of the next six weeks while we're in this series, check out the book of Exodus. Open it up, read through it. Um, It really is kind of the narrative for the Old Testament, and it points a lot to the New Testament. But here's sort of the the Cliff Notes version. Um, God's people, the Israelites, they were enslaved to the Egyptians for 430 years. And during that time of slavery, they cried out to God and asked for deliverance. And after a 430 year period of slavery in Egypt, God responds to their cry and he sends a deliverer by the name of Moses, played by the part of Charlton Heston. Uh, and uh, that's a joke for some of the older people in the room. Um, Ten Commandments, it's a great movie. No, it's not, don't watch it. Anyway. So uh, he sends Moses and Moses comes to God's people and he says, hey, the Lord has heard your cry and he's going to deliver you out of this land of slavery and he's going to bring you into a promised land, a land called Canaan. And this land is gonna be a land of blessing. It's gonna be a land of freedom. It's gonna be a land that is flowing with milk and and honey. In other words, there's gonna be abundance there. You're gonna live at peace. You're not gonna be subjected to slavery any longer. This is a good place that you've been crying out for. God has heard your cry and he's gonna bring you there. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh, who's the leader of Egypt at the time, and he delivers the same message to Pharaoh. Hey, God says, let my people go. And at first, Pharaoh says no, but through a course of pretty supernatural and incredible events, finally, Pharaoh relinquishes relinquishes his control and lets God's people go. And so they leave Egypt and they begin to make their way into Canaan. But between Egypt and Canaan, between the past and the promise, there is a wilderness. Hence the subtitle of this series, Lessons from the Wilderness. The Israelites spend this season of time in a wilderness as they're making their way from the past to the promise. And in the wilderness, God tests his people. He tries to refine his people. And often, as you'll see when we read through some of this, they rejected the refinement. They did not pass the tests. They failed. And sadly, many of those, almost all of them who were supposed to head out and lay hold of this promised land ended up dying in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to learn from other people's mistakes. (laughs) If I don't have to make a blunder of my life, 
I, I will avoid it. Like if someone buys the wrong stock, I'm not going to buy that stock. If somebody, you know, does something they're not supposed to do and they get in trouble for it. Like I like to learn from other people's failures. I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. And I think there is a lot that we can learn from this narrative about the Israelites leaving Egypt and making their way into the promised land. Because listen, you all have an Egypt. We all got an Egypt and we've all got a promised land. We've all got something that God is calling us out of and something that he's calling us into. And the season of time between where you're coming from and where you're going to is in fact the wilderness. It looks a little different for all of us, but maybe for you this morning, God is calling you out of addiction and your Canaan is freedom. Well, there is a season of time between addiction and freedom where you have to walk this thing out. Some things need to be refined on the inside of you. Maybe, maybe your Egypt, the place of bondage, is financial ruin and debt, and there is a Canaan land for you where you are living in the abundance. You can be generous. You have no debt, no car debt, no credit card debt. Hallelujah. You are all of a sudden free of all your debt. Well, there is a season of time called the wilderness where you have to make some decisions and change some habits in order to make your way into that promised land. Okay, there's some people in that room. Well, let's try this one. Maybe your Egypt is singleness. <laughs> And your promised land is like, hey, he put a ring on it. Well, there is a wilderness where you got to do singleness well if you're going to walk into the future that God has for you. We've all got an Egypt and we've all got a promise. And listen, the way you walk in that wilderness will determine not just your length of stay there, but whether or not you actually get to lay hold of everything that God has for you. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to learn some lessons from some people who failed. We're gonna look at this story, this narrative, and we're gonna go, okay, how can I apply what they did to my life so that I actually can lay hold of everything that God has for me? And my hope and my prayer is that when we conclude this, this, this series, 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 six, six weeks from now, you will have learned how to wander the wilderness well. Come on, turn to someone next to you and say, we're gonna wander well. A lot of W words, I like it. Uh, let, me, let me pray over this and, uh, and then we'll get into some scripture. Uh, and by the way, if you're gonna take notes this morning, we will call this chat the guide inside. The guide inside. Jesus, we love you this morning and uh, I thank you for your presence here in your house. I thank you that uh, we can sing songs that other people wrote in a moment in their life, but as we sing those songs, your presence, your spirit invades this room and we can feel you afresh for our specific situations. God, I thank you that as we go to your word, the promise is that it can deal with the very heart of man, that it can bring light to situations that look dark. It can provide direction and it can change us from the inside out. And God, I, I don't know how everyone in the room got here today. I don't know what the, the motive was or how the invitation looked that got them into the building, but I know this. You knew every single one of us that would be sitting in this nine o'clock service and you know exactly what we need to hear today so that we can wander a wilderness well and walk into the preferable future you have for each and every one of us. And so God, I pray that we would not uh, we would not spend prolonged seasons of time just aimlessly wandering through the desert, but we would follow you and we would see the fulfillment of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Um, if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. And if you don't, we'll put it on the screen for you, if you're not. But I wanna take a look at one of the first uh, things that God does as his people exit Egypt and they make their way into the wilderness. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 through 18 says this. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. 
God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Pause there for just a moment. Uh, This is not the main thought I want to explore today, but it is such a good thought that I think we need to talk about it for a couple of moments. It says in the text that God did not lead them along the main road, even though that main road was the one that made the most sense. Even though the main road was gonna get them to the promised land in a shorter period of time, that was not the place that God took them. He did not take them on the most logical route. Why? Because he said that there were enemies, there were cities along that road that could have taken God's people out. And he wanted to protect them And he also wanted to prevent them from retreating and going back to where they came from. He wanted to ensure that they were protected to the point that they actually made it to the promise. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is more concerned with your safety than he is your speed. He's more concerned with your safety than he is your speed. I um, I have a a couple of parents that are very law-abiding citizens, uh, very safe individuals, and I appreciate that about them. Um, but, uh, I think one of the areas where it comes uh, more obvious to them to follow the law is when they drive, they are very good, safe drivers. They use their blinkers, uh, when they're driving on the freeway, they don't use that little like windshield wiper thing that, you know, gets the car behind you all wet. Like they're respectful drivers. And most importantly, they follow all the speed limits many times well below those. And uh, so when I would drive with my parents when I was younger, I would often ask if I could be the one driving instead of the two of them because I understood that if one of the two of them was driving, it was gonna take us far longer to get to our desired destination. If I was in charge and I was behind the wheel, I would probably kind of weave and bob through some traffic and maybe, you know, yell some obscenities to people that were in the lane as they were clogging up. I me. Mean, I had to get somewhere, okay? So I don't know, has anyone ever else played that game where like, you know, you're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to race the car next to you? And, no, okay, anyway, just never mind. So I would get there a lot, a lot faster. And, and there was more than a few times my mom would say to me while we were in the car, Timmy, which is what she calls me. Don't any of you call me that. I'll cut you. Uh, Timmy, slow down. And then every mom uses this phrase. I just want to get there in one piece. What was she saying? I'm concerned with our safety, not our speed. I want to get there safely. It doesn't matter to me when we get there, just as long as we actually get there. Well, God is kind of like your nagging mom in the back seat. Probably not the best analogy to use for God. Someone's like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with this. No, God is more concerned with your safety than he is your speed. He wants to ensure that you get to the destination he's called you to get to. And maybe the speed doesn't look exactly like you thought it should. Let let, let me make this statement. Not all delay is the devil. Let me say that again. Not all delay is the devil. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes God is preventing you from moving at a certain pace because he understands if it moved at your pace, if things happened the way you wanted them to, it would destroy you. I know that in your mind, you're like, hey, in my my map, in my roadmap, like I would have gotten this promotion at this time and then I would have gone to this place at this time and I thought I would be married by now. And so, you know, this must be the devil. We blame everything on the devil. The devil's holding me back. The devil's keeping me single. The devil's keeping me unemployed. Okay, hold up. Right? Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe you're blaming the devil for something that God is actually doing in your life. Maybe God knows that if you had gotten that promotion when you thought you should, it would have taken you out. Maybe he knows that if you had gotten that job, it would have moved you out of the community that you desperately needed to be a part of for this season of your life. 
Maybe he knows that if you had married that joker, he was not refined well enough and he would not have been able to be the husband that he needed to be to lead you spiritually. And so God had to do some work. I'm, you know, I'm just okay. So before you put your foot on the gas and you try to speed the process up a little bit, stop for a moment and ask yourself, is this God's doing? Is God slowing this whole thing down? Am I trying to push something forward that God is saying, yo, hold on a little bit. Just, just breathe, just wait, because his pace might be your protection today. That one was free. Moving on. <laughs> next, next verse, and this is where I want to spend the most of our time together today. Exodus 13, verse 20. It says, the Israelites left sucketh. Uh, why? Because it sucketh. Um, and... <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and <laughs> it's the old King James version. Uh, and they camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Here's where I want to camp for the rest of our time this morning. This is such an incredible display of God's care for his people. This act that is such a supernatural act of care on behalf of God for those who are wandering. You got a group of two and a half million people who've never had to wonder where to, do, where to go next or what to do next because for the last 430 years, they've been told every single day what they're supposed to do. And as this group of nomadic Israelites make their way out of Egypt, it says that they find themselves on the threshold of a wilderness. And they don't know what to do next. They know they're not supposed to be there anymore. And they know that God's calling them to something greater, but they don't have the step-by-step -step directions to get there yet. They're facing the wilderness. They're standing on the edge and they're like, now what? How do I get from here to there? And the moment they find themselves on the edge of the wilderness, God sends a guide. He says, I know that you can't get to where you're going by yourself. You've never been this way before. So I'm going to send something to lead you where I'm taking you. I'm going to send you a guide. And out of nowhere, this pillar of cloud during the day and fire by night, shows up and begins to lead God's people. Now, sometimes I think we read the Bible, and for those of us who, who grew up in church and maybe you've read this story, you know, a few dozen times before, it's kind of lost a little bit of its potency. Like, oh yeah, you know, fire, fire at night, cloud by day, you know. Uh, God just, you know, he just did that. He does that kind of stuff all the time. It's no big deal. But can we just for a moment stop and think about like how crazy this is? Like, all of a sudden, two and a half million people are standing at a, at a threshold of a wilderness, wondering where to go, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> over here. <laughs> like, this is crazy. freak out, all right? If all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just this cloud, this fire just shows up. 
tuck his little face back in here. Okay. I'm gonna come back for you in a moment. I'll do anything for Instagram. It's fine. Um, the second they needed a guide, God showed up. The, the second they needed direction, God sent a guide. It's important that we understand, like, the gravity of what's taking place right now. Because in this moment, God is displaying an attribute of his character that all of us must be convinced of. And that is, he does not call you into a season to simply wander without any clear direction. He will send a guide the moment you need to understand, what step do I take next? God did not call them to the edge of the wilderness and say, okay, I got you out of where you were at. The rest is on you. Okay, I, I got you out of a bad situation. You know what you know, you're supposed to do in the future. You know where you're going, but what do you want me to do? You figure out how to get there. Oh, that extra biblical proverb that so many quote, God helps those who help themselves. No, God made it clear from the moment they needed direction, I've got you. I'm gonna walk you step by step into the promise if you'll follow me. Now, for a group of ex-slaves, for a group of a couple million people who've spent the last 430 years in slavery, there was a whole lot of reassurance in a cloud of, and fire by night. Like, there were was, there was some promises and some <sighs> moments when that cloud showed up. Let's just throw out a couple. In the cloud, there was the promise of progress says that whether it was day or night, the cloud took on a different form to ensure that even if it was dark, they would have a pillar of fire so that they could continue to move forward. In other words, there was never a moment where God gave them permission to stay still. Never a moment where he said, hey, you're gonna just hang out here and you're gonna like it for a little while. There was always forward motion. There was always progress. Even when the season looked dark, he still provided direction in the darkness through a pillar of fire so that they could continue to move forward. Let me say something to a few of you in the room today that are walking through a very dark season right now. Hey, I know that you don't want to hear this, but let me be the one who tells you what you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. This is not a moment to stay still. I get it. I understand that things are bad. I understand that things are difficult. And of course, take a moment, mourn with those who mourn, enjoy this moment, get God's comfort, but do not stay there. Do not stay in this season where you just circle for a couple of months or a couple of years. Do not stay in a season where you wander aimlessly without direction because that's not God's intent for your life. There is a promise of progress if you will follow him. There is direction in the darkness. There is a pathway in the pit that you find yourself in right now. If you will just look for it, do not buy into the temptation as so many do to just kind of sit back and cope for a little while. Don't, don't, don't put on your sweatpants in the spirit, grab a carton of ice cream, plop down on the couch, watch some Netflix and stay in my feelings for a little bit. Like that's not what God wants for you. Get up move on. Don't stay here. He has a preferable future for you. There is progress promised to you. He promised progress through the pillar. He also promised proximity in the pillar. Like I got to imagine if I have been enslaved for 430 years and I cried out to God and I didn't see him move for quite some time, I might have some abandonment issues. 
I might wonder like, hey, is God really with me? Does God really care? Is God really for us? And, and when this cloud showed up, when this pillar showed up, it was an immediate reminder, hey, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you even in the wilderness. I'm gonna stay close. In fact, there was one moment where the pillar even went behind the Israelites because there was an enemy coming up from behind them and it protected them. There was this comfort of knowing that God is with me in this season. And as it was for them, so it is for you. He's with you today. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And even when the wilderness tries to convince you that God's left you there to die, there is reminder time and time again in your scripture, in your Bible and mine that says, no, he is walking right beside me in this season. He is Emmanuel, the God that is with us. And even if I'm convinced in my mind that he's not here, I will remind my mind by telling my soul once again that even though the enemy tries to come against me, neither height nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor powers, nor life, nor death, nor anything else in creation will remove me for the love of God. God. He is right here with me. There is promise of proximity, but I think the greatest promise that we can draw from these pillars was this a promise that all of us need to be convinced of, probably reminded of from time to time in our journey. And that is that the pillar promises divine direction, not just direction, but divine direction. Let me just ask, how many of you have ever been in a season before where you needed some divine, some, some divine direction, some God direction? Let's check again. How many of you in a season right now where you need some divine direction? Yeah. We've all been there, right? We've all found ourselves on the threshold of the proverbial wilderness, looking out into the unknown, into the unknown. Like we've, in the end, I'm not going to do the third one. <laughs> Wondering, how do I get from here to where I'm supposed to go? What, God, what am I supposed to do next? Do, do I move or do I stay? Do I take the job or do I not? I mean, like, what, what do I do from this place? How do I get from where I'm at to where you're calling me to? We all need divine direction. And wouldn't it be nice if in the middle of that season of confusion, all of a sudden, oh, that's what to do. I spend 90% of my time during the week sitting down with people who need direction. I'm not complaining. It's just the nature of my life. That's what pastors do. Like people sit down and I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. And you know, pastor, what should I do? Wouldn't it be nice if as I'm like stumbling over my words, just trying to like, uh, well, you know, uh, 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 in the coffee shop. Uh, that would be amazing. Okay, I'm putting this thing away. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if a pillar fell from heaven and just showed us clearly, this is the way, walk in it, child of mine. Yes, it would be great. But... Chances are, well, not chances are, that will never happen. <laughs> God doesn't do that anymore. And he doesn't really need to do that anymore. Because I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you have something that is greater than a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud or anything else that God used to lead his people 
in the past. You have something that if the Israelites had known it was available, they would have gladly traded in their pillars for. You have a guide inside. You have a guide on the inside of you. Let me explain. It's important when we read this book that, that we remember there is a singular subject here. This entire book is about one thing. Yes, it's a collection of many stories and different situations and historical accounts and 66 books written by over 40 different people over the course of thousands of years. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. But at the end of the day, it's about one thing. This book is about Jesus, period. Everything in this book points to Jesus. Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, all of it, it points to Jesus. In fact, the Old Testament, which we're reading from right now, even though Jesus hadn't showed up on the scene yet, it is nothing more than a foreshadowing of what Jesus will do in the New Testament. It's not allegorical. These are real stories, but it is analogous in nature. Uh, there really was a guy named Abraham, and he really did have a son named Isaac at the age of 99 years old. And God really did tell Abraham to take his son Isaac to the top of, of Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him there. And at the last moment, just before Abraham did, God really did call from heaven, don't harm the boy. And they found a ram or a lamb in the thicket, and that was sacrificed in the place of Isaac. And God said, because you were not uh, willing to hold for me your son, your one and only son, now I will bless you and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That really happened. But it wasn't really a story about Abraham and Isaac. It was a story about Jesus. Because there would be a day where the father took his one and only son and on the top of the very same mountain would sacrifice him. There would be no lamb in a thicket because he was the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And because of his death, we would now all be blessed as a result of it. Like, it just pointed to Jesus. There really was a guy named Joseph who spent his life in some pits and in some prison cells because he was wrongfully accused. And then one day he ends up sitting at the right hand of the leader of the nation, and he makes a way for deliverance for God's people. But it really wasn't about a guy named Joseph that was in a pit. It was about a guy named Jesus who would spend three days in a grave, but he would resurrect three days later. And because of him sitting at the right hand of the Father, we would have deliverance on this side of heaven from anything that tries to keep us from him. Like, it's all about Jesus. And this story is no different. Yes, there really was a pillar of cloud and fire leading a group of people through the wilderness, but it still pointed to Jesus. It was nothing more than a prophetic promise of something that would be accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus uh, said to his disciples shortly before he was going to be crucified, hey guys, um, I have to go. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, I, I need to leave. Um, I know that I've been with you for the last three years, but uh, there's some stuff that's gonna happen. I'm gonna be crucified and don't worry, I'll come back and then I'll after I resurrect, I'll ascend to the right hand of the Father. It's all gonna be okay. And if you are a disciple who has given up everything to follow Jesus for the last three years of your life, this can be terrifying news because Jesus was everything. He was your provider. He, he was your joy, your empowerment, and most notably, he was your navigator. He said, follow me. And so you never had to worry about where you were going next and what you were doing next. All you had to do was follow Jesus. So if Jesus tells you that he's about to leave you, 
you kind of find yourself standing on the edge of a wilderness wondering, okay, if you're gone, I don't know what I'm supposed to do from here. But Jesus reassures his disciples that even though he might leave, they will still have a navigator. They will still have a way. And here's what he says to them in the book of John, chapter 13. Oh, excuse me, uh, chapter 14. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who guides you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and will later be in you. He's with you right now, but later he's going to be in you. Here's what Jesus is saying. Guys, I'm with you right now. Okay, you don't have to wonder where you're going. You don't have to wander aimlessly. You just do what I tell you right now. I, I am the navigator. I'm in charge. And as long as you follow me, you're going to end up where you're supposed to go. But I have to leave. And don't worry. My leaving actually makes a way for you to be guided all the more clearly. Really, Jesus? Because this seems pretty obvious. No, no, no. I'm going to send something better. Not only are you going to be led, but everybody who calls upon my name is going to have this internal navigation system. See, right now I'm limited because of my physical body. I can only lead those people that are actually near me physically. But when I ascend, everybody who calls upon my name will have the same leadership that you're experiencing right now. There will be a voice calling to them. Hey, this is the way you should go. You can walk in it. I'm going to send you someone and his name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit won't just be with you. He will be in you. He will be the guide on the inside of you. And in the same way that I guided the Israelites in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit will guide your life. And the same way that there was this promise of progress, you will be compelled by the Holy Spirit. And the same way that there was a promise of proximity, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He is the parakletos, the one that walks alongside of you. Just as I helped you in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit will help you. Just as I provided you in the wilderness, I will be providing for you through the Holy Spirit. And just as you didn't need to wonder where to go next, you will have a director, a navigator, someone telling you which way to walk in the middle of your season and you will never have to worry what step to take next because there'll be something in you that says, go this way, do that, say no to this, say yes to that. I've got you covered. You have a guide on the inside. If you have called upon the name of Jesus, this is not something you have to drum up or, you know, please, Holy Spirit, come on, show me. No, it's the natural thing for a believer to just know what step to take next because you've got him on the inside of you. So if that's true, then let me ask the million dollar question. If we have this guide, why is it that so many Christians don't seem to know what to do? <laughs> Thank you, CJ. <laughs> why, why is it that I still have plenty of coffee dates. <laughs> People are like, I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do and I, I have no clue and I'm just not, I'm not hearing. And I, I, Why do we spend so much time wandering aimlessly in the wilderness of our lives if we're supposed to have this, this thing on the inside of us that makes the next steps clear? Let, let me uh, 
let me suggest that it's actually already in your text. <laughs> that the, the reason so many of us don't seem to know what to do next is because of something that we're told right here in Exodus chapter 13. It says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 22, the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place, where? In front of the people. I think that so many of us don't know what we're supposed to do next because we don't like to let God lead. I think that one of the greatest deceptions that we buy into is that we can get in front of the cloud and it's just obligated to follow us. I think that there's a lot of people trying to lead their own life and then wondering why they end up where they're at. Like, I don't know if you've done this before, but I've tried to lead my own life a little bit sometimes. <laughs> Try to make some, make some decisions on my own without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest deceptions that we can buy into is that we can do whatever we want to do and then blame God for it later. You know what it says in the book of Proverbs? A man destroys his life and then shakes his fist at God. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah, I've dug some pits for myself. I've spent some seasons in uh, prolonged wandering in the wilderness. And I would love to cast blame on somebody else and say it's their fault. But the truth is, sometimes I've been an idiot and I've made some dumb decisions. And I won't say that of you, but if we're honest, I think we've tried to lead our own lives and then wonder why, why am I in this season? God, why is this happening? Well, if you trace it back, were you actually letting him lead? For those of you who lifted your hand a moment ago and you said that you are in a season right now where you need divine direction, let me ask you, are you letting God lead you right now? Is he at the front? Are you following the leader or are you asking the leader to follow you? I, I know that um, you, you've got some great ideas but what does the guidance side say? I know that your parents and your friends have given you their opinion about what you should do, but what does the guide say? I know that people of your culture do it this way, but you're a Christian before you are that culture, so what does the guide say on the inside of you? I know that your particular political party, I, I'm just, come on, let's talk about it for a moment. I know that the people who live in your dorm room with you, I know that everybody else your age is doing it that way, but what does the guide on the inside of you say? Because at the end of the day, I don't care about his opinion or her opinion or that group's opinion. They're not the ones responsible for getting me to where God has called me to go. If I will heed the guide on the inside, then I'll make it to where God's calling me. Hey. I love to give advice. I love to tell people what to do. It's one of my favorite things on the planet. But I'm not your guide. I'm not responsible for your future. I'm not gonna stand before Jesus and give an account for your life. You will. And I got my own wilderness to wander around. I got my own promises to lay hold of. What does the guide on the inside say? Are you letting him lead? And 
If not, if you find yourself here today and you've been trying to lead your own life and you recognize that it's gotten you to a less than desirable place, here's the good news. If you will surrender to the guide once again, the promise is still yours for the taking. He will guide you back. Uh, let me ask, and Ben, you guys can come. We'll conclude with this. Um, how many are old enough to remember MapQuest? Anyone remember MapQuest? Like the days before the phones where you could like print out the directions and staple them together and just pray to God that you didn't miss a turn somewhere. Uh, let me, let me check actually, because this is the early service. So uh, this is when the uh, more mature and responsible people come to church. How many of you remember the days before MapQuest where you actually had a map inside your car in the, in the glove compartment? Yeah. You better pray to God that there wasn't some potato chip grease on the street that you were supposed to turn on because you were dipped if that thing was gone off the map. Yeah. Thank God for technology, right? Now, now, now we've got um, these little things, and uh, they, are, uh, they are equipped with GPS. And so you can just open up an app, and with that app, no matter right turn, wrong turn, wherever you find yourself, in the middle of nowhere, if you just turn on the Maps application and tell it where you want to go, even if you make a wrong turn, what will it do? It will recalculate the route to get you back to where you're supposed to go. Now, if you're a true San Franciscan, if you're a true Bay Area native, which map app do you use? Waze. Yeah, exactly. You use Waze. If you didn't answer that correctly, come on, get with the program, people. We use Waze. W-A-Z-E, not W-A-Y-S, because we ghetto Waze, okay? Like we, that's just so you know. And here's the beautiful thing about the Waze app. Not only does the Waze app know where you're at at any given time, but it's comprised of a community of people that have been where you're going. And so they can warn you about some things that are going to come. With the Waze app, if somebody ahead of you has seen an accident, they can alert you through the app to tell you and everybody else heading that direction, hey, there's an accident on the side of the road. And the app is so good and so smart that if there's a faster way for you to get there, a way where you can avoid the accident, it will recalculate and reroute you so that you still end up in your destination without having to go through some destruction. The Waze app is so good that if there's something in the middle of the road that would trip you up, it warns you ahead of time so that you can merge into another lane and avoid the obstacle that would take you out. The Waze app is so good that if there's a cop waiting on the side of the road, that's gonna slow you down. You can gear down, breathe a little bit, take your time so that you don't have to pay a price. I hope you hear what I'm saying this morning. <laughs> At the risk of sounding like a really cheesy preacher, probably too late for that. You have a guide inside and he is the ways in the wilderness. <laughs> Why? Because he's so good that if there's some destruction ahead of you, he'll let you know ahead of time so that you can avoid it. And if there's some stuff in the middle of the road that's going to take you out, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and he will tell you, hey, you need to get in a different lane. You need to make some different decisions. You need to find some different relationships right now because you're going to run into something if you don't and that thing could take you out. And if there is something on the side of the road waiting to slow you down unnecessarily and take another lap around a mountain, he will tell you, hey, gear down, 
Don't get yourself into trouble. Just breathe deep in this season. And if you make one, two, five, or a hundred wrong turns in your life, he's good enough to recalculate the route over and over and over and over and over again so that you still end up where you're supposed to go. You have a guide on the inside of you today. For all of us who've called upon the name of Jesus, we don't need to wonder what to do next. We can trust we have the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.